Hi there, I'm Pastor Rod Parsley, and I sure want to thank you for listening to today's podcast. I'm the senior pastor of World Harvest Church, where we love God and love people, and I hope you'll be inspired by today's message. Now, for more great content and lots of updates, I'd love to connect with you online at rodparsley.com. But right now, let's head into today's episode. Romans chapter 1, verse 3, 1 and 3, that's a 13. 13 has been ridiculed. 13 has been made fun of. 13 has been given over to the witches and the warlocks and the naysayers of our time. But what we understand is that at 13, a Jewish boy is by mitzvah. He comes into adulthood. And folk ask me all the time. They say, Pastor Rod, isn't the church waning? Isn't the church age just about over? And I need to tell you today that the church is not sick because it is not serving a sick God. It is not weak because it has no weak God. It is not weary because it is not serving a weary God. The church that I'm a part of, there is still a king that redeems. There is still a cross that bleeds. There is still a prayer that is heard and answered. And whether the naysayers and Dr. Dumbbell and Sister Yeye like to mentally assent or not, there is still a victorious, triumphant, Church of Jesus Christ of which I am a part against which the very gates of hell itself shall not prevail. Give him praise, give him glory. Romans 1, 3, he was born the seed of David according to the flesh. Would you say flesh? There is a cataclysmic warfare underway right now playing out just above your head and on the inward recesses of your entire tripart created in the image of God being. There is a struggle. This struggle began in the ancient Garden of Eden with our pristine parents, where there God created a man of the red cold clay of earth. And in that moment, every star began to sing, the universe began to spin in order. You know the story. Right there in the middle of paradise, Adam sided with God's great archenemy. The boldest rebellion in the human family was begun. God came down into the midst of all that retrieval where man had wound his moral clock backwards. The image of God had been dashed to pieces. The locust and its great king had come and turned blossom into dust. Death had come, death had come and turned blue the lips of the children of men. But there in that garden, Genesis chapter three, God made a propitiation. That's a great big five cent word. It simply means a promise. A promise with hope attached that God would right what had gone wrong. I, before I get started, I feel my help coming. I need somebody that understands that there is nothing wrong at your house, that what is right in God's house cannot fix. 
There's nothing wrong in your body that what is right in the body of Christ cannot fix. There's nothing wrong in your financial situation that the God that owns the cattle on a thousand hills cannot rectify today. There is nothing coursing through your human veins today that what coursed through the veins of Jesus of Nazareth, that spotless blood cannot cleanse and wipe clean and make whole and restore and redeem. I wish I had half a church. Help me preach today. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed by His infinite mercy. God's child forever. I am giving praise, giving glory. Boy, this ancient struggle, Dr. Murphy, this ancient struggle, is the struggle between light and darkness, the struggle between holiness and impurity, the struggle between flesh and earthy and spirit and heavenly. So we see it playing out the words of the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 1, verse 3. Jesus was born the seed of David according to, hear it, the flesh. But declared to be the Son of God by the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. The word declared to be actually translates Jesus was set forth upon the horizon as the Son of God. I need to tell you today that your God is bigger than you perceived him to be. I need to tell you that your God is greater than you have conceived him to be. I need to tell you that he is even greater than your ability to believe him today. He is the infinite God and we are engaged in a struggle this morning between the finite, the human, the fleshly, and the infinite, the spiritual, and the supernatural. It's playing out right now and I need to parenthetically insert for you that you this morning have the ability to direct divine activity. I need somebody to understand that God forever surrendered his right to act independently in your life in Genesis chapter 1 verses 26 and 27. So this morning you have the ability to direct divine activity. Let me say it another way for you. This morning you have the ability to cast the deciding vote on whether you will be bound by the finite or you will be released to infinity and beyond by the infinite God you serve. Sir Isaac Newton, of course, discovered the law of gravity. Somebody run up here and grab this cap off this for me. I got something I want to say today. I, I, I got 15 minutes to say it. If you're taking medicine at 1130, you got 15 minutes. Somebody shout. Let me, let me just work this thing for a minute. I know where we're going. Let me, let me just let me just let me walk you through this for a moment. God 
is infinite. Say it. The word infinite means that God is without limitation. That God exists without the hindrance of any boundary. The horizon, you understand, is the limit of your ability to perceive, but it is not the limit of the essential fact. There is more. Sorry, I just got struck in the leg there. Uh, Jacob got that in the mountain, didn't he? Why are you looking at me like you're serving a finite God? Why are you looking at me as if to say your little religious boundary of God is all that can ever be known? Shove somebody on the shoulder and tell them, excuse me. Don't say excuse me, say excuse me. God's about to blow your mind. Wish I had somebody that could shout. I... God is infinite, immeasurably, inconceivably, limitless, impossible to measure and without boundary. I want you to know that in 2013, God is going beyond. He's going to get up on the other side of your trial. He's going to get up on the other side of your depravity. He's going to get up on the other side of your disease. He's going to get up on the other side of your problem. Sir Isaac Newton said, gravity explains the motions of the planets, but it cannot explain what set the planets in motion. Two fellows, three, blind man, deaf man, disabled man heard that God was about to come down onto a mountaintop and there he was going to deal with the problems of humanity. Well, naturally, they wanted to go see what was going to happen. Up the mountain they climbed. The first one up before God was the blind man. Son, what would you have that I should do that I might receive my sight? God touched him. and Instantly, his eyes were open. Deaf man grabbed him and shoved him out the way, climbed up the mountain himself. God said, son, what would you that I would do for you that I might receive my hearing? He signed. God touched him, his ears came open. Next, the disabled man rolled up in his wheelchair. What would you that I should do for you? Don't you lay a hand on me, I'm on disability. God. Job 26 and 7 declare he stretched out the north over the empty place and hung the earth on nothing. And I tell you that he came from nowhere because there was nowhere to come from. And having come from nowhere, he stood on the non-existent. And having come from nowhere and standing on the non-existent, he reached into that black void and abyss. And there he grabbed hold of something that wasn't there standing 
depending on nothing having come from nowhere and he jerked something out of nothing and then he hung it on nothing and commanded it not to move can I ask you this morning how big is your God Nobody disagreed with him because there was nobody there. And then God stooped down and scooped up some red cold clay. He fashioned a man in his image. And your Bible says the Lord God formed a man of the dust of the ground. And then he picked up that red cold clay body and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. He created man in his image. The Hebrew would say, imagio Dei. He created created him in the exact likeness. God has three parts, a father, a son, and a Holy Spirit. Therefore, man is made in God's image. Man has how many parts? That would be three. A spirit, a soul, and a body. The spirit, that part of your being that came directly from God. Now, if you have a watch at the end of your arm, look at it right now. If you have a watch at the end of your arm, look at it right now. If there is a watch dangling from your arm, it would stand to reason that somewhere there is a watch maker. If there is a watch maker, would it not stand to reason among reasonable people? that if your watch gets broken and you can find the manufacturer, you can get it fixed. How big is your God? I need to tell you today that he is big enough to be declared to be Jehovah Rapha. Shout it, Jehovah, Jehovah, Jehovah the eternally self-existent one who heals. I got to shout it just a minute. He is Jehovah Rapha. He is the eternally. You can't kill God. If so, where are the pallbearers? Where is the funeral plot that bears the tombstone on which is inscribed his name? Who was brave enough to preach his funeral service? I need to ask you today, how big is your watchmaking God. From the traveling snake oil salesman of yesterday to the modern how-to seminars of our age, man has persistently and consistently searched for the all-purpose, fast-acting miracle cure in hope of finding the remedy to everything from simple aches and pains. Have you noticed that? The older you get, the more they multiply. Joan and I looked at each other today. Joni said, would you stretch my leg out for me? I said, would you crack my back? She said, which one of us is going to be brave enough to take the first step? What are you laughing at? Some of you say the same thing every morning. Takes you five. I used to jump out of bed, throw the covers halfway across the room. Now I just want to snuggle back down. Down in there, it's nine degrees outside. 
We're trying to find the remedy. We're trying to find the cure from simple aches and pains to society's life-threatening diseases. It seems that humanity will endure any complicated formula. However, in this endless search for healing, there is one scenario that humanity has intentionally, I believe, overlooked. Simplicity. Remember, Naaman was told to dip seven times in the Jordan and he refused saying aren't there better rivers where I'm from than this little muddy stream you call a river Jordan and his servant said to him master if the man of God had asked you to do some complicated thing you'd have done it but he can't get you to do this one simple thing and although the gift of healing is as valuable as an emperor's robe, it is also as available, oh God, as the very air you breathe. In our desperate and imperfect world, it's assistance is critical. The need for this valuable commodity spans every social, economic, and racial barrier. Everyone at some point in his or her life is forced to come face to face with the urgency of choosing whether or not you believe, not mentally sent, you believe in the existence of a divine healer by the name of Jehovah Rapha, the eternally existent one who heals. I, I want you to say that. Uh, my God is the eternally existent one who heals. My God is the eternally existent one who heals. Do you believe that? Hebrews 9:12 says, not with the blood of goats nor calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once and for all, having obtained eternal redemption. No serious Christian would ever deny that redemption includes the forgiveness of our sins. If you believe that when Jesus Christ died on Golgotha's cruel and rugged beam, he provided through his blood eternal forgiveness for your sin, if you will ask, is there anything that you can do that's out from under the blood? Is there, no sir, no sir, there is forgiveness, shout yes. There is mercy, shout yes. There, but when you get over the healing, a whole lot of believers hesitate at that point. When they asked about the additional benefits of redemption and, and most of them back all the way away and have difficulty accepting healing as a part of God's redemptive plan. But there is no denying, my dear brother and sister, that God made our bodies as well as he made our spirits. And therefore, he desires that our bodies be whole and well, just as he wants our hearts hearts to be free from the burden and the penalty of sin. I could preach about sin this morning, but most of you have not sinned this week. Most of you are not walking according to the flesh. Most of you are living in the spirit. But if I preach about healing, I can touch 
99 and 9 tenths percent of you. Somebody shout yes. The redemptive work of Jesus Christ on the cross purchased our return to the original state of affairs. Free from sin and free, hallelujah, from the bondage of sickness and disease. Get nobody to heaven. Now our covenant with God was guaranteed by nothing less than the blood of Jesus Christ. The price he willingly paid purchased our freedom from death and that sacrifice will never ever have to be repeated. Jesus obtained our healing once and for all. Healing is not a promise. Healing is a past tense fact. I'm going to try again. Healing is not a promise. God is not going to heal you. Healing is an accomplished fact that by faith you receive in the present with that which was provided in the past. When you need a healing, God looks back at the past, at a cross, and forward into your future, and brings them together in your present. I dare you to shout, I'm healed, I'm healed, I'm healed. Hey, God, we live in a temporal and imperfect world. Nothing around us goes unscarred by the weathering hands of time. Flowers wither, rocks crumble, and iron rusts, and our fragile human bodies slowly but surely deteriorate. Everything around us is in a state of decrepancy and decay. But hear this preacher and believe, our world was not created with this affliction. This disease was contracted. In the beginning, God spoke out of the void of space. Something marvelous was created. Life. Just a word. And he created the sun to rule the day. Just a word. And he flung the stars from his fingertips, having struck the anvil of his own will with the hammer of his own omnipotence hung the moon in the ebony blackness and set them together on night shift. By his spoken thought, he created rivers and they began to flow and mountains began to shoot up from the inner crusty surface of this earth. On and above earth's greening landscape, he scattered every living thing along the shore. He ordered the seven seas, placed them in their boundaries, spun the world upside down and commanded them not to spill a drop. How big is your God? Bigger than a bear aspirin? Bigger than a Tylenol, bigger than an Advil, bigger than the sharp point of a hypodermic needle. Is he bigger than a flu shot? Is he bigger than your aspirin tablet? Is he bigger than your remedy and your aid? I submit to you today, he is big enough to be Jehovah Rapha, the eternally existent one who he. 
Somebody give him praise, give him glory. He's a one-of-a-kind combination of flesh and spirit with the mind and the emotions of a soul and the priceless gift of an eternal spirit, a rare combination which God housed in a clay earth suit called the body. After six days, God turned to Adam and gave him authority and dominion over the whole thing. It was a garden paradise where the concept of need and lack, worry and pain were completely unknown. Abundance was limitless. Daily conversations with God were commonplace. As the breeze that rustled through the fruit-filled trees exclaimed, Adam was granted absolute control over it all except for one tiny patch of ground. For God said of every tree in the midst of the garden shalt thou eat, but the tree in the midst of the garden of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat. For now that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. But in her stage left, God's great arch enemy began to beguile Eve. Hath God said, Sounds like a modern day preacher. Well, that's not really what God meant. I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the God, the eternally existent one that heals. Well, now you have to understand. Well, now. Either he is who he said he was. We should throw our Bibles out the side doors in a great pile. Light a match, somebody go down to Circle K. Get some weenies and buns and have a hot dog roast and go home. But I believe today he is Jehovah Tidkanoo. He is my righteousness. I believe he is Jehovah Rohi. The Lord God, my shepherd, that leads me beside still waters, and I shall not want. I, I believe he is Jehovah Mekedesh. He is the Lord God, my holiness. I, I believe that he is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord God, eternally existent one that heals. There they were. Watch me. Adam and Eve reached for the fruit of a tree. A trembling and rebellious hand in disobedience reached for a tree. And sin and sickness and every plague and malady and disease and disformity and malfunction and infirmity flooded the human race. A little bit later, over in the after the children of Israel had come out of Egyptian bondage there in the wilderness, and there they came across a fountain. God led them out of the wilderness, out of, out of Egyptian bondage into the wilderness and sent them three days without any water. They came to the waters of Marah, 
They thrust their head down into those sparkling streams and began to slurp up a big gulp and suddenly all of them began to spit it out because the waters were bitter. God told Moses, go over, take a piece of wood, get a branch off a tree, throw it in the water, and the bitter water will be made sweet. Fast forward with me. One exposure to Satan's corruption carried the communicable disease of sin and its twin brother's sickness and disease and contaminated the bloodstream of all humanity. Now God is in a paradox. He's in a seeming contradiction because the only thing that can set humanity free since he declared the life is in the blood, was to somehow get blood sufficient enough to heal the wounding sin and putrefying sore of sickness and disease upon all humanity. But man was no candidate. His blood was tainted. How many of you understand you don't have to do anything to become sick? Just be. It'll show up. How many of you understand you didn't have to do anything to teach your children to lie? Sin will just show up. So God searched through eternity for a comrade, a confidant, a companion, someone. Someone in the black ebony darkness which he himself had spun and since spinning into eternal bliss, he, he found no one sufficient to heal that wound. And then he had a thought, a seed. If I, God, could become a man, but what about that blood issue? Well, how shall this be, seeing I know not a man? The Holy Ghost shall come upon you, little 14-year-old virgin girl, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore, that holy thing that shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. Watch him. The darkest day in human infamy has not quite dawned. The sky, ebony black, turns first to saffron and then to gold and then into yellow. The smoke begins to lift, the haze begins to be moved by the light of the countenance of God himself. You stagger to see who it is. It looks more like an animal than a man. His flesh with the cat of nine tails has been ripped from his back and hangs round his legs like ribbons. You know, not long ago I did what most thinking people do. I, I went to the, I went to the, doctor's office and I got myself 
what's commonly known as a vaccination. It is designed to immunize me against the flu. So I asked the nurse, she said, well, we don't have this kind, we have that kind. I said, what, what do you mean? She said, oh, the flu in it is the same, it's just a difference in the way we administer it. I said, wait, wait, what you're telling me is you're going to keep me from getting the flu by giving me the flu. I have registered nurses all over the front row. Is, that's what a vaccination is, isn't it? Do you remember the day when the word polio would strike fear and terror through entire neighborhoods and cities and towns? Do you remember you used, you used to never go out without seeing a child who'd been afflicted by that horrible, limb-twisting, cruel disease? Do you ever see it now? Why? A vaccine was developed. A polio vaccine. Do you remember? They used to make those big scars on your arm. And you wore it proudly. Because that meant you were never going to get polio. And what they did was put some polio virus inside that vaccination. And infuse it into your body so that your body would stand up and create antibodies to resist that disease. Go with me to Calvary. Watch the cat of nine tails. Hear it whistle through the air. God! Was vaccinating us. He was immunizing us against a paralyzing disease called sin. And I submit to you that that same blood will immunize you against sickness and disease. It's Sunday morning now, I'm not supposed to get excited, but I... He walked up to that flagging post to be vaccinated. He, he walked up to Calvary's hill and the ringing of the hammer could be heard as nails parted, sinew and flesh. Watch him be vaccinated. A Roman centurion took a sword and thrust it into his side and forthwith came blood and water. Watch him be vaccinated so that you could be immunized. Somebody getting healed right now. I, I said, I can feel it right now. Somebody praise him. Somebody shout. Somebody give him glory. At that hateful cross. 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 The dominion and the power of sin and sickness and Satan at that hateful cross, the power and the dominion of poverty and lack. At 
that hateful cross, the dominion, the authority, the power over demons and over depravity and over disease was won. The battle lines were drawn. See him, the conquering king, the eternal self-existent God who heals. Wounded for my transgression, bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace laid upon him. And by his stripes, I am healed. I got my vaccine. At the cross, at the cross. Oh, keep praising him. Where I first saw the light, the burden of my heart rolled away. There by faith I received my sight, and now I'm happy all the day. The cleansing stream, I see, I see, I plunge, and oh, it cleanses me, I plunge, and oh, it cleanses. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? At the cross, at that cruel and rugged and hateful and mean and awful being, he purchased my salvation, my healing, my deliverance, hallelujah, amen. I release to you the healing balm of Gilead. There is a balm in Gilead. He that heals the sin sick soul. There is a balm in Gilead that makes the wounded whole. I rebuke every cancer, every leukemia. Look up here at me. I know you want to go home. It's 1146. I, I understand. But I'm talking about the eternally existent one who heals. How big is your God? I just happened to see out the corner of my eye tumors in your body so big the doctors were scheduled to try to take them out standing here singing under the anointing of the holy spirit went into the little bathroom just off the back of this platform and the tumors fell out of her body went back to her doctor and said you have no more tumors he is the eternally existent one who heals the yesterday and today and forever. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed it, I want to invite you to tell someone in your life about the podcast. 
Hope you'll do it today. Head on over to iTunes and leave a review. Share it on your social networks for me. Really helps me get the word out. I'd love for you to connect with me on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram. No easier way for me to minister to you every day and throughout the day and for us to join together in faith as God moves in and through your life. You can find links to all my pages at rodparsley.com. God bless you now, and I hope you'll listen again soon.